previously on Partnership Vision Podcast. I didn't know it at the time, but my abductor was actually possessed. I didn't know it until very, very late. I was basically almost free of him when I finally figured out what the heck was going on. But he was in the martial art world and, you know, believed in that everybody has an inner beast. And it's all about trying to find out what your inner beast is and learning how to call on it for it to protect you in different areas and different situations. And even tried to make me believe that I had an inner beast of my own. And in reality, it was a demon. And it was trying to have me call on a demon to possess me. Benny, Vinny, Amari. We came, we saw, we loved. Welcome to the Partnership Vision Podcast. Where we discuss how to have a relationship full of unity, trust, fun, and fulfillment. We'll be sharing the rewards of preparing yourself for your best partner and being your best for them. He would go into different trances where his eyes would change. They would roll around in his head. And he would start these very low guttural growls. And his fist would freeze shut into a, like claws. And I, I, I <laughs> it was a freaky sight. And he would actually go out into this trance for anywhere from maybe five seconds to three hours. And you never knew how, to what severity things were going to be and what he was going to do. And then when he finally came to, he didn't remember anything. And the atmosphere in the, in the room would completely change. The hairs on the back of your neck would stand up and things would get kind of cold. And then he would growl and everything would manifest into completeness. And sometimes he was violent. Sometimes the demon actually did come after me and um, would, would bite my back up and down on both sides of my spinal cord and leave purple black bruises um, on both sides go from the top of my shoulders down to the end of my back and other times it, it would just try to play games and just trying to freak me out and there, there's a lot of stories i could go into really and i i would like to now but i don't want to take up too much time here but there were a few times where if god wouldn't have protected me i would have died and I'm not exaggerating. Several times I would have died. But um, I think I might have actually mentioned that in a different episode. But even even if I haven't, it'll probably appear in one episode to come. For the time being, let's get into those tactics, or at least some of the tactics. So like I said, he isolated me from everyone except for his crew and him. To where everybody had the same mindset. And after everybody was won over and I quote-unquote proved myself... They started really liking me, and then finally, you know, he was like, well, maybe now I, I can, you know, tell them about us, because at first he kept a secret, and but he, he kept me isolated with them, and basically since they were now on board with the relationship, they were like-minded and concreted everything that we were, and, and making it out to be a really good thing. Reinforcing everything he was saying. 
Yeah, you, you, it reinforced everything he was saying. Again, it was the power of conviction of the manipulator and the confidence in it and his agenda. Combined with peer pressure. Yeah, peer pressure. I mean, it's not just for teenagers. Some people just never grow up. He had me dependent on adventures with him to where I thought that if I wasn't with him that, you know, I would never have any fun times. I would never have any stories to tell. Especially in the earlier time of it, he actually had me thinking that if I spent a night with my parents, they'd lock me up in my room and hold me hostage. And it, it became a legit fear, which they would never would do that, just to put it on the record. But he had everything so twisted that it was a legit fear. He broke my respect and trust for others by making up his own concocted stories about them, but including enough truth to where I made it believable. He would switch my stuff to only stuff he's bought, and he'd get mad otherwise. Like, for instance, once I did move back, but we were still quote-unquote together, I had, had been wearing a watch for a couple of years, or even a few years at that point, and it was a watch that he bought me when I started one of my first jobs. And then I needed a new watch. So my mom actually ended up buying me a new watch and he saw it and he actually got mad. He picked a fight that my mom got me a watch instead of him. So he wanted everything in my area, my surroundings to mirror him even when I wasn't able to be around him, including a watch that would always be on my wrist. He wanted to be always at my focus and my, my focal point. And he even tricked me out of wearing the gold necklace that my parents gave me when I was six and that I had to actually grow into. Luckily, I do still have it. He, d he did not get that, and I'm so thankful for it. Uh, but he was telling me how my angel wing charm looked so juvenile and how I needed a, a grown-up necklace, basically. I, ne I needed a mature necklace. So he went and picked me one out at the mall. And had me switch to that. So it, a lot of different things like that. The anniversary of him kidnapping me became birthdays and we end up celebrating them as birthdays. It would be, we would go out to eat and it, it would be a whole ordeal. And he was trying to switch the narrative to something positive. But really, it, isn't it kind of creepy? Kidnap anniversaries are birthdays. You started your new life, so now, well, yeah, sure, you're like 22 now, but really, you're two. He would use repetitive phrases that normalize things, like in, in situations where I might actually have asked him, you know, hey, what is this about, or why did she say that? He would blow his top. He would freak out and say, well, if you don't trust me, I will give you a reason not to trust me. And he would blow up. Uh, he would use it. He knew my problems with anger and how that would make me submissive. And he really used that. He used that on me on everything, pretty much. Another phrase was, well, if you indulge, you'll bulge. It's basically, if, if you have sex with somebody, you're going to get pregnant. And that he would say that every time he saw a pregnant woman. Well, she indulged, didn't she? And so he normalized other phrases too, just to induce fear as well. He made everything sexual, literally everything sexual. 
and he was not attractive himself that was another thing is you don't have to be super intelligent well you don't have to be super attractive either as it turns out and you'd use intentional manipulation for me to call him handsome like well don't you think i'm handsome well why don't you tell me that i'm handsome and also just abused his ego you know kind of again worshiping him right and he would regale me with all kinds of different strip club stories of times that he went to one and how he befriended one of the strippers and almost ran off with the stripper and left his wife for her and how he just really found true love there and <clears throat> the different things that he got women to do for him and just how it became his quote-unquote cheers as he would call it and how even his wife would get into the whole thing too when she went later on this one showed up so basically he would sneak around with one of his former co-workers and then actually another two women aside from that that weren't co-workers and it got to where I was recognizing some patterns and I so I started asking him well hey well what where were you after work or where were you then and he'd make up some sort of a story and I was just something didn't feel right because I knew his patterns and how he worked and I ended up having to keep track of his phone. I actually started looking into his texts and his pictures and, and even keeping track of his bank account because he was like, that was another thing he did. Is like, see, I trust you. You have my banking number, blah, 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 blah. And so I would check for, well, did he pay for two people? Then again, you know, he could have paid in cash for her. Who knows? But I would still check and I would find stuff. And then I'd have to come up with questions to artfully get the information out of him and see if he would actually tell the truth and either i'd be too pointed with a question and he'd he'd find out that hey you you, you were in my phone well if you don't trust me i'm going to give you a reason not to trust me but really i found a very incriminating picture and straight up verbatim text that i knew what was going on but yet oh it's my fault he was gaslighting me he was fault shifting he was making it into being my problem the something like as if i cheated and then using anger and fear and control to where i was apologizing for bringing it up and because i didn't have anywhere else to go that also kept me in check because i at that time i, I knew i didn't think i could go home i knew i couldn't go home i didn't have any friends outside of his friends and even if i had the idea of well maybe i should leave that was a, a blip on the radar barely it was there and then it was gone if it ever showed up because I was trapped. He had me trapped. And then, so after, you know, well, I trusted you with my banking information. Well, you got to trust me with your banking information or else you don't trust me. And I mean, it didn't stop there. That just gives you a premise. Then to find out he was stealing from me continuously just in small enough amounts to where I didn't notice. And yet he was telling me that I needed to get more hours at my job to uh, help support the, the rent payment when he made three, four times as much as I did. And I still had to come up with half, which left me with 300 out of my $600 check that I got every two weeks. And then somehow we would still come up short. And then, you know, because I was working retail or an event job where I would be getting off early morning because I either closed or finished an event, 
I would try to rush home to where I get home early and try to catch him in the act of doing something because it's like, well, you can't deny that. And so I mean, he was controlling my actions even when he wasn't trying to control my actions because I was trying to keep track of him. And even with that, because I, I found out that he was messing around, it's like, well, I try to get my schedule the same with his. And then so that way, you know, if you're if you're with me, you can't be doing anything. So I, I try to match my schedule with his. And then if I was off and somebody invited me to go do something, like I actually had a couple of coworkers that was interested for one, one reason or another to actually go get a coffee or um, just go hang out somewhere. I would just have to tell them no because I'm like, hey, I, I, I don't know, I got stuff to do. And, and that was because I couldn't trust him to be alone. So any other outside thing that maybe could have been formed by a couple of different meetups that was taken away because I knew it wasn't safe to leave him alone. And then, so his former co-worker, which was, I think, was the, the main one he really skirted around with, uh, she would always call him or text him with something that was broken or needed fixing and was like, well, could you come fix it? And he would always go fix it, fix it for her without me able to intentionally leave me at the apartment or they would actually go have dinner by themselves because she doesn't feel comfortable with talking to anybody but me. So as I was left at the apartment because he, he wanted to have dinner with his girlfriend, basically. I was still in the ruse that this was a relationship. Obviously, I didn't know what a real relationship was. And then also being trapped and controlled and brainwashed. But he eventually promised that, hey, well, anytime that she needs help, I'll bring you with me. But if she gets me, she gets us both. And then he would go and fix something anyway and then call me after I had already moved out and tell me what he did and expect me not to be mad. And he got mad that I got mad. He's like, well, I didn't have to tell you anything. But he purposely told me to get me upset in the order to then put me back in my place. And he called me jealous. He'd always call me jealous, whether it be in a joking manner or a serious manner. And I would always come back with, you know, oh, I'm being territorial. It's like if, if, if something's yours and you're protecting it, it, you're territorial. I'm not jealous of what they have. I don't want what they have. I want what I have. He did different acts to guilt me into trusting, quote unquote, him. Like with scissors, he would open up a pair of scissors and tell me to put the webbing of my hand into them and I'll be like no that's just weird why do you want me to put that in, in the scissors it doesn't make any sense he's like well don't you trust me and I'm like yeah but I don't want to do that and then he'd come up with different reasons as to why I need I should and, and and would make me on another occasion he was trying to convince me that I needed to become a cop that you know if I become a cop that would pay well and you know it'd be a real profession and all these other things and but he forced me to, to point a gun at him and because he knew it would upset me. But it was really in his, his, his ruse, what he was trying to make up was, well, you can't be a cop if you're uncomfortable with pointing a gun at somebody, so point a gun at me and let's see. But really, it was to upset me. He had me do ridiculous things for the fun of demeaning me and breaking my self-esteem. You know, he was all into pressure points and different things because of martial arts and chakras and the whole nine yards. And so he used that as a front for his quote-unquote inner beast as well, that, oh, well, he can heal you too. 
you know, and do different things. And but really, it was the demon doing things to to make things believable and and even in, in different ways to incite fear. But in other situations, like if I called him and I was like, "Hey, this is going on with with my head. What do I need to do? You know, what what pressure points can I just like touch and fix it?" And I'm in public, okay? So he's telling me to, you know, put, well, put your finger on that finger on that pressure point. Put your finger on that pressure point. And then stick the other one up your nose. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, there's a pressure point in your nose. I'm like, no, you haven't taught me that one. He's like, yeah, there is. And I was like, I would pretend on the phone that I did, but I never would. And I was like, what now? And he's like, okay, well, that should work. Give it about five minutes. And then it, somehow it just magically got better. He knew things that a non-possessed man shouldn't know. He actually knew different things that, um, different memories that I have of home and of family and different things. And was able to twist things that nobody knows. I've never told anybody about. Just little, not necessarily bad things. Like, um, there, there's a hand gesture or whatever that has been done over, over the years of my life. And... Um, he made that, he was like, oh, well, that, that means this, you know, this actually means that, uh, that, that's, that, that's a code that we used in the 80s saying that we wanted to go get it on or whatever. I'm like, oh, well, so-and-so would do that to me all the time. He's like, yeah, so he must have just some really bad intentions with you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and there's no way of me knowing like anything about this, this hand gesture. That's the only place I've ever known it from. And I tried looking it up even. And I couldn't find anything on it, so I'm like, well, maybe it was just an unwritten thing, or I don't know. Um, but he would turn things that nobody would know about into something, again, sexual, and then turn me against that person. And to kind of bring things together and to a close, I'm going to share a couple more tactics. And again, there, there's a whole lot more, but this just gives you a brief idea. But here are the last few that I'll be sharing in this episode. Music has always been a big part of my life. Ever since I was five, I started learning instruments when I was five. And then drumming is what really stuck with me. And then even my music choices, my music was my outlet, was my passion. And the thing that I did is like anybody that especially knew me through high school knew that Brandy loves music. She loves, the, she loves 70s, 80s rock. She loves drumming. That's her thing. That's her niche. And she loves U2. <laughs> I've been a U2 fanatic for a very long time. But anyway, my captor knew how much I loved U2. And how just anchored I was to it. So again, to mess with my to mess with my sense of self, he was telling me, well, oh, well, you were into U2 while you were back there and before you were free. So you really need to pick a new band. You need to pick some some new music, and not Journey because my my ex-wife was so heavily into it and and got fired over on a job because of it. And I'm like, well, I love Journey, <laughs> and ironically, that's what I listened to a lot of once I was away from him. But anyway, the irony. He tried to change my music choices on many occasions, saying that I needed to get away from you two, and I'm like, well. I mean, I, I guess there's no harm in checking out other bands, you know. I like, I'll, I still am gonna listen to you two. And of course, I didn't tell him that, but I was like, yeah, well, I'll, I'll see what I can find. When <sighs> that's just so crazy.
This podcast is a part of our ministry partnership vision, which is dedicated to youth and young adults who are in need of support, wisdom, or healing so that they can live their best life with the people they're meant to be a part of. You can help support us by sharing our show with others directly, posting about us or reposting on social media, or by donating to us financially through our donorbox.org link, which you can find in the description for this episode. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thank you for joining us where the heart is heard. Partnership Vision Ministries. Stay driven by love. So you can wreck all the fear. You can check us out on Instagram at Partnership Vision Ministries. Or on Facebook on Partnership Vision Ministries page. And even Twitter at PVisionM. Y'all come back now, you hear?